I was like, of course I know what a call sheet is. I was Googling it on the side. I was like, of course I have the contact to Mac. I was like, info at Mac.com. Hey guys, it's Megan Collins from Style Girlfriend. We are back for another episode of Undressed. We like to use this as an opportunity to talk to cool people we know who we think are living their lives with style. And I think today's guest just absolutely uh, epitomizes that goal. It's David Yee. He is a writer, a journalist, a stylist. He most recently launched the fashion vertical for Mashable, the tech and sort of digital culture website, which I was so excited to talk to him about because that seemed like a really interesting, unexpected (laughs) vertical for them to start. So, you know, he's definitely writing about more than just iPhone watches. So I, I just, I couldn't wait to kind of get his take on where fashion meets digital. And it's actually a pretty big intersection. Um, before that, he's, gosh, he's been everywhere. He was a menswear reporter at Women's Wear Daily, which yes, that is a thing. He's also written for the Wall Street Journal, GQ, Harper's Bazaar, Esquire, Details, Nylon. Uh, the list clearly goes on. Yeah, it was just a really great conversation we talked about men's fashion week which just happened we talked about his work on mashable and lots of other fun stuff so if you haven't already stop don't listen any further go subscribe to undressed uh on itunes or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts leave us a good review if you would be so kind uh it really does help actually make a difference we get seen by more people when we have more reviews and that's what we want so if you would be a buddy and go help us out on that that'd be amazing and now, without further ado, listen to my conversation with David Yee of Mashable. David, hi. Hi, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Address. This is so exciting. Um, I was trying to think about where and how we met, and I couldn't come up with it. So I think that we're just like fashion friends. I know how we met. You do? I know exactly where I've met every single person <gasps> I've encountered. It was at Aaron Hawker from Agency PR's party, and you were friends with Max Berlinger, who is now at GQ, but he introduced me to you in an elevator. We took the L train back to Brooklyn. Oh my god, that's right now, I do remember. Wait, were we with Max, or were we with another friend? We were with Max, yep, because he was going on the L train as well, because he lived in Bushwick. Now I remember, and I remember that because it was like so not awkward, whereas I feel like most times when you pe- meet people and then you are like, okay, well, it was nice meeting you. And then you both like walk down the street the same way and you're like, like now what do I say? <laughs> but we had enough to fill the conversation all the way to Brooklyn. Yeah, we had so much to talk about. Are you still in Brooklyn? I'm still in Brooklyn, yep. So I want to talk to you uh, about fashion because as much as we uh, make a point to interview interesting folks who are living their life with style on Undressed, we don't actually talk to that many full-on like fashion with a capital F folks. So why don't you start with just telling me how you got into writing about fashion? Yeah, I think I got into writing about fashion so accidentally, which I know a lot of people are going to really hate me for that. But I moved to New York City after college and I just wanted to write. I wanted to do long form. I I wanted to do features. So I came here. I had nine internships um, all together. I was one of those crazies. I started working at EW and then I went to People's Style Watch as my first job. And then after that, somehow the editor-in-chief of People Magazine, I was, I was um, you know, doing a freelance gig there and it ended. And he was like, hey, I started at the Daily News. I think they're looking for someone like you. And I was like, cool. So I get there and I get a job right away somehow. 
um, in the next couple of weeks were insane because my editor was fired and the fashion editor went to the Today Show and at 22, 23, they looked at me. They're like, you look like you like style and fashion. You're going to do that now. And I was like, me? I mean, sure, of course right, I know yes. how to do that. So it was trial by fire. I was, you know, styling everything by myself. I was casting models. I was casting photographers. I was doing all of this. I didn't even know what I was doing. I had no clue, but no one knew, and that was a secret. Yeah, that's and the point. That's you the just point. Like, yep, I can do that. I was like, of course I know it. what a call sheet is. I was Googling it on the side. <laughs> I was like, of course I have the contact to Mac. I was like, info at Mac.com. Um, literally, <laughs> it was a scrappy operation, budget of zero, but it was really good, and I felt like I cut my teeth there, and I was able to delve into the fashion world, and at 23, I was sitting at front row at every show, just because I was at the Daily News, um, sitting next to Anna Wintour and pretending that was normal. And then driving. The secret to fashion, I think, is, is it's so crazy. I would never smile in my photos because I didn't want anyone to think I was young and anyone to know that I was a fraud. So You're if you look, to be there, heaven forbid, <laughs> yeah. show enthusiasm. You look at any of my photos. I'm so giddy inside. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Fashion Week. And then you see the photo. I'm like this. <laughs> no smile, no expression whatsoever. Of course, later on, I graduated to, uh, you know, freelancing and styling for Capitol Records and doing different shows for like Fashionista. And then I went to WWD where I was a menswear reporter. And was that your first time covering men's or had you been covering men's all along? It's a great question because the entire time I was covering women's. And then men's was something I always wanted to get into, but I was a little intimidated because from the outsider's perspective, I'm like, oh my gosh, like maybe it's an exclusive group and I can't really infiltrate in that. But that is such a scam. I mean, going into the men's industry, immediately everyone is so awesome. It's like a fraternity. It's like summer camp at Fashion Week and all your bros are there, all your friends are there. And it's like so, so much easier than women's. I was going to ask what, what you thought. So, yeah, that's how I feel, too. I mean, not that I've been on both sides of it, but having only been on the men's side, I definitely prefer to stay there. It feels less scary. It feels, like you said, more inclusive, uh, more welcoming. And I, to me, that's, I think, probably indicative of the fact that it's less trend-driven. What do yeah. you think it is? Well, I think that, in general, women are kind of insecure when it comes to other women. And we still live in this country and society where it's kind of like we pit women against each other. And I don't think that it's these women's faults at all. It's just the, the environment that they, they work in and that breeds that kind of behavior. Um, and as a male, being in the women's fashion industry was really a lot easier for me because I wasn't a threat to them. I wasn't carrying the latest Balenciaga bag or wearing the highest stiletto heels. Um, and so I don't feel like there was that sense of cattiness where I didn't feel that pressure to um, try to one-up someone else. But I think you have an edge, too, in the men's industry because it's like, oh, she's a pretty girl. She's here. Let's talk talk to her. She's so disarming. She's not carrying, like, the latest swaggy, like, bag that we need to. But and also you're obviously charming as well, and that helps leaps and bounds. But, you know, I think that in men's, it's just they want more diversity. It's always been this heteronormative white male, but in the past five years, it's changed. And I think now more than ever, it's like, okay, this change is wonderful. This change is great. Let's see where it can go. Well, I want to jump into that, actually. Um, you totally beat me to the punch. You've been talking a lot um, on Mashable. You put up a really great article on Korean Americans, on Asian Americans um, in Hollywood. Uh, you know, you talk about breaking the bamboo ceiling. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, 
how you're bringing that to the forefront? Yeah, I mean, so when I started at Mashable last year, I really thought I wanted to tell fashion in a different perspective. Okay, what can we do to be a different voice in this industry? So for me, I've always been about social issues. I've always about been about social justice. And so I thought that fashion to me wasn't just commerce. It wasn't something that you just buy. It could be armor for you. It could be your identity. So one of my first stories I wrote was uh, black men in America becoming more dapper or dressing up in America to survive. They felt like, you know, if they maybe wore a tie or maybe they wore Gucci suits and maybe the police wouldn't target them as much. For me, that was like, wow, fashion is armor. The next story that I did, the biggest story of my life was on 11 trans teens. I really knew nothing about this young community and we cast uh, 11 trans teens from 12 to 19 and Nicola Formichetti, who, you know, was stylist Lady Gaga now at uh, Diesel, he styled it for us. And um, that piece, to me, it spoke volumes. It was like fashion is identity. These girls, these boys, they they wake up every day and, and they dress how they want to be presented to the world and who they are inside on the outside. And so when I did this Asian American piece too, I mean, it's not like strictly a fashion piece. For me, I was like, okay, while Asian Americans still are relatively invisible in this country, and it's so indicative of where we stand as a people from Hollywood and from music. I mean, where is our Asian American pop star? Can you even name one person in music that's Asian American? It's really difficult and it's very dark. So I was like, okay, I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to book all of these celebrities. I'm going to style them. I'm going to, you know, do a video with them. I'm going to report this. I'm going to interview them. It was a team of one, but it was a passion project. And I really felt that it needed to be said. And I think that as a journalist, I have the opportunity, but also the responsibility to continue to push these issues forward, to push culture forward, and to also speak for those who don't have a voice. Well, I love what you said about identity being tied up with fashion, because I think that that's something that people don't acknowledge enough, maybe more now than they used to, but that's something that we talk about all the time on Style Girlfriend is the idea that it's not about following the latest trends. It's about making sure that the way that you get dressed in the morning means that when you walk out your door, you feel like you. You feel like the best version of you, but you feel like you. And so to be able to discuss fashion as important for that reason, because it can either make you feel good as you go into the world, or it can make you feel less than, or it can make you feel invisible. I think that that matters, and I think that that's worth discussing, to your point. Absolutely. Um, and I think that it's so interesting. Uh, you actually put out an article during, so it's just New York Fashion Week men's. We were both there. Um, I'll be curious kind of to hear your, your perspective on it this season, but there is a Black Lives Matter protest. Well, not protest, demonstration. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed that the CFDA actually got involved. I was wondering if you had anything to do with that, because I know that you know, you, you kind of reported earlier in the day and you reported later in the day and you're like, oh, and Stephen Kolb happened to come out and speak with these people. Oh, you really did your research. I am so impressed with you. So that's a great question. In that morning, full disclosure, my friend Rachel Johnson, who's a stylist to all the NBA players, she texts me and she's like, hey, do you want to come to this? I just got this text. Let's do it. So I got the text and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so powerful. Black Lives Matter is a movement that I really, really care about. And the perfect place to do this is Fashion Week. Let's do it. And so I ran from the train. I ran back home. I was wearing a gray sweater and I I changed to black because everyone was supposed to wear black. 
And so I went there and I got there. And before everything started, I was the first one on the scene. And, um, you know, three people were there at the beginning of the day. But then later, more and more people joined in. And then for me, I was like, you know, as a journalist, if I really do want to report on this, which I should, I shouldn't participate in this march. I shouldn't participate in, you know, this protest, this silent protest. So I walk with them and I support them in black. But I was not there to stand with them. Um, but I was there to do behind the scenes photos. We got photographs, uh, beautiful photographs in the beginning of the day. And then throughout, I was checking up on them and I was seeing what new um, progress was being made. Hannah Stoudemeyer, who is cousins with uh, Amari Stoudemeyer, she started this whole thing and she works at Lon Vaughn and she just thought it was something that needed to be said. And I thought that, you know, that's such a great platform you have. Um, by the end of the day, like five hours later, they're sweaty, they're like drenched, um, they're they tired. They stood out there and she started crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, Hannah, what's what's going on? What What's the matter? And she's like, I just spoke to Stephen Cole and he said the CFDA recognizes Black Lives Matter. And to me, uh, I, this is the first time that fashion has ever said that I matter, that I, my life is valuable as well. And that means so much to me as a little girl who loved fashion since she was four to now to see that the fashion industry is behind me that means so much and she started bawling and crying and I was like oh my gosh this is you know such a moment and so powerful and little small little things that we do small little deeds can make a huge impact I will say I'd be curious if you agree or disagree in terms of fashion week I feel like season after season on the women's side it's like you know we need more diversity we need more diversity and then you know it's always like one black model like there's always the token kind of in a show and that's slowly changing but on the men's side I feel like lights like just light years ahead I mean I feel like diversity at the shows at the presentations is it was just so much more prevalent this season and, and past seasons too I I don't know what do you think I loved the diversity you're spot on um you know David Hart had a collection where every single model looked so different from one another some were Asians with long hair some were you know blonde haired white guys with very very curly coarse hair and to me I was like wow this is like so modern and this is so relevant and when I did talk to David I was like you know why did you have a diverse cast of models he was like well this is my customer they're everyone so these are global guys and they look different and that's just it wasn't a conscious thing it's just who my guy is and assembly new york they cast all black models with dreadlocks and i thought that was really interesting and i wrote about that but you're so right every single presentation or most of mostly every presentation i went to was so awesome and refreshing to see these ethnically ambiguous models you're like are they puerto rican are they black are they a little asian or white and that is so modern to me when i saw shows with just cookie cutter uh, boy next door american models i was just like this is so antiquated it's so dusty it's so 2012 it makes the clothes look drab and boring i think that it was just a lot more enlightened and elevated when they did use people of color or diverse models and it was just more interesting i'm curious what you would say we we put together a video after fashion week just sort of asking passerby like what like how would you explain men's fashion week to someone that didn't know because the style girlfriend follower i mean he's certainly style conscious he wants to walk out the door looking his best every morning but he's not necessarily able to name drop a designer he doesn't necessarily care that it's fashion week so i mean just what we're talking about now like i feel like that's a good example of why fashion week matters i think it sets a tone i think that you know having a diverse cast of models for a show 
speaks to what will then be in the advertisements a season from now. And that then speaks to, you know, it, like it kind of has this domino effect of, of affecting a culture. Um, but what would you say to someone who is like fashion week, especially men's, like what, what matters about fashion week? Well, how I explain this to my editors at Mashable, because everyone's such a nerd, which is amazing, is, you know, when they have their CES shows or when they go to huge conventions like Comic-Con, that is kind of projecting what's upcoming in the film industry, what's upcoming in the tech industry. So Fashion Week to us is projecting what's coming up in men's fashion and trends. And it's just a four day event. It's not even too long where people come together, they uh, enjoy fashion, they celebrate the men's industry, and they really see what is being forecast for their for their readers or for their, themselves or uh, what trends that they're going to be rocking in the next couple of months. I think that's good. Explanation as any. I mean, I, I do think that because so much of men's changes so much more slowly, I sometimes wonder if we need, I, I don't know. For me this season, I was like, I feel like it was just fashion week. I don't know why, but it just felt like it came up so quickly. Um, what did you see as changing from last season? Well, I think that a big change that I've seen from last season is that there weren't any big brand name, recognizable named uh, designers who showed. I think the first two seasons, it was so important to get like Tom Brown and these big names there, but we didn't really see that this season. So I thought it was actually a little more, um, it wasn't as flashy. Yeah. Oh, that was certainly reflected in like every article that I read about it that was like celebs, including da da da. Literally like the biggest name was Kellen Lutz from Twilight. And I was like, exactly. So I was, but I feel like the first season it was like they actually got some sort of notables. They got some really great like stylish athletes and all that. But this season it was like, yeah, I think Helen Lutz was like the ambassador. It was like bare bones. It was, it was like who bones. is available? Oh gosh, the A, B, C, and D level actors are gone. So yeah. Kellen Lutz. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can we get that vampire from Twilight? No, 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 not the famous one. The like third guy <laughs> down the line. The one that still has his hair sort of blonde, but not really. He's like real glory days on that. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I think that that just, like you said, it kind of goes back to the point that it's definitely almost like how a sports team has like a rebuilding year. That's what this season felt like to me. I felt the exact same way. You know, it was great to see our peers out celebrating the CFDA, but we really didn't have a home run of a show. We didn't have like that many star performances. I thought that, you know, if Women's Fashion Week is Super Bowl, this was kind of training season. Look at that. See, now we're relating it back to sports terms, guys. Hey. We're good at sports. Um, you mentioned Mashable. Uh, so you launched the fashion vertical at Mashable. I am so curious about how that came about. Yeah, I mean, a lot of blood, sweat, tears, scars. Oh my gosh, this is a scar from styling those celebrities for my Asian American shoot. It's just me. Um, so I you came, are the fashion vertical. I am the fashion vertical. <laughs> I like that you're performing for the audience, by the way. We're Gosh, performing in front of a live studio audience. I have my legs above my head <laughs> for the viewers that aren't here. Sorry, you can't see that. Um, video podcast next time. Video podcast next time. So I came over in March of 2015. Jim Roberts, who was our then editor-in-chief, he comes from the New York Times, he was just looking for someone to you know, launch fashion because I guess fashion was getting into the zeitgeist of culture. And he's right because fashion intersects with, fashion, with, with sports and art and celebrity culture, car tech, culture, yeah. tech culture. 
And so I was still at WWD and he was like, do you want to have a meeting? I was like, I don't know what Mashable is. I was like, I know someone who used to work there, but I'm not really sure what you guys do, but I, I'll always take a meeting. meeting. I'll always take a meeting. Um, He talked to me and I was blown away just by the readership and where they wanted to head to. And so for three months, I I really mulled over it and I meditated over it. I was like, you know, I guess I could take a chance. I'm young enough to do that. Not really anymore. Um, But let's, let's do it. I'm an entrepreneur and I've always wanted to kind of start a business. So why not do that and get that training here with someone else's money on someone else's dime. So I came in, um, it was a total bootstraps operation. Then we hired um, some interns. And then Noel Siaka came over from Lucky. And we just had these big dreams and aspirations to build, build, build. And we do all the market work. We do all the styling work. We did all the writing content. Um, now Noel has left. Our interns have left. And it's just me. So I'm my <laughs> own assistant. I'm my own stylist. I'm my own market editor. I'm my own editor. Um, so it's been really awesome in that respect because I've never hustled so much. Um, that Asian American spread, for instance, I booked all eight celebrities. There's an entire booking department at most magazines. I booked all their hair and makeup. I booked all the hair and makeup in general. I booked the photographer. I was a producer on the shoot. I was a stylist on the shoot. I was my own assistant styling on the shoot. I was steaming the shoot while interviewing these celebrities. (laughs) And they were like, wait, who are you again? I'm like, I'm the stylist, I'm the producer, and... Oh, wait, I'm answering your questions, too? (laughs) No, that's how it was. And, (laughs) you know, I see the human spirit in in this role. I'm like, you know, if you're tenacious, if you are brazen and bold and you're passionate, you can do it, and you can work your ass off and pull something off, and no one needs to know that you did everything. And actually, maybe they all should know you did everything because that just makes you more of a valuable person in the end. It teaches you so much about different aspects of this job, but different aspects of life, like patience. Have you found that you've infiltrated the Mashable offices with your your fashion sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Every single day, people are like, is that a new trend? I'm like, you mean my work? Yes, this is a new trend. It's like Regina George when she cut out circles in her shirts, and everyone's like, that's a trend. I feel like sometimes I can pull that off. Oh, God, if anyone from Asheville is listening to this, now they're not going to trust your opinion anymore. Sorry, guys, I've been scamming you all this time. Fedoras have actually been dead. Ew. Oh my god, I love it. Um, before I let you go, David, I do want to ask you, uh, we talk a lot on Style Girlfriend about million bucks moments, and that's, you know, when you look in the mirror and just everything is working and you just can't help but, like, give yourself finger guns and, like, do the James Bond thing. So what was your first million bucks moment that you can remember? I think my first million bucks moment was probably when I was in high school. I was the only Asian person at an all-white Anglo-Saxon school in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And for me, diversity was always important, so I started something called the International Diversity Council, and we put on the talent show. And so in the middle of the talent show, and this was very self-gratuitous, I was like, I am going to perform for everyone. It's like, this is my one time to shine. And y'all need to, you are forced to watch me. (laughs) So I sang a song in Korean, a Korean pop song, K-pop. It wasn't big back then. It was always big to me. I transformed and I changed into a Korean hanbok, which was like, which is a Korean traditional garb. And so I changed into that in front of everyone on stage. And I was just like working it. And I was like, look, y'all, this is my heritage. I love it. You're going to love it. We're all going to celebrate me. We're going to celebrate Korean culture. And yeah. 
And then I was like, oh, no one's clapping for me. And I need to go. But that moment, I was like, okay, I'm so proud that I'm able to be an individual and to stand up to my bullies who bullied me for being different and looking different and showing them that, hey, maybe diversity is beautiful. And I'm crying. Uh, David, thank you so much for being here. This is amazing. This is so fun. Oh my gosh, I'll have to come back again soon. We'll talk about Fashion Week next Fashion Week. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. For sure. All right, I'm in. Done. Okay, guys, that was my conversation with David Yee of Mashable. Thank you again so much, David, for stopping by. It was such a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you go back and listen to all the other Undressed episodes that you've missed. Um, And we will be back soon with another fresh episode for your, I was about to say your earballs. Yeah, we're just going to go with earballs. That's the thing now. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to leave us a review. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye.